Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rhodes? Well, we're going, we don't need Rhodes. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. No, I am your father. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. This is episode four of the show where we take your favorite movies and we tell you what happens after the ending. I'm Mike Spring and with me as always is Phil Edwards. How are you tonight, Phil? I'm good, thanks, Mike. All good with you? I can't complain. Excellent. I'm excited. i got some good films to talk about tonight, and uh, I think we got some, uh, hopefully we'll have some fun endings for them. Yeah, we've got two, two excellent films, which are both really, really good. Yes. I'm sure you'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listen, I hear, you know what? Here's the thing. So I, we mentioned last week that, that one of us is a fan of uh, Big Lebowski and one of us is not. I figured we'd let the audience figure out who's who by our, by our endings. Exactly. And, uh, but anyway, yes, and that also Spy Game is the other film we'll be talking about tonight with Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. Uh, before we do that, though, a couple things I want to mention. Phil, you don't mind, right? Okay, no problem. All right. So uh, first of all, this is long overdue, actually. I should have mentioned this in episode one. but um, So I've had the idea for this podcast in my head for quite some time now, but uh, it wasn't until more recently that a friend of mine um, spurred me on to kind of take action on it, and, and that's what got me to reach out, and, and Phil and I decided to, you know, to co-host. So I wanted to just publicly send a, a shout out to uh, my friend John Marshall. Uh, he runs a company called LifeQuest Adventures. I'll post a link in the show notes. But uh, I just want to say thank you to John because he really was um, an inspiration for me to kind of, you know, get off the couch and, and actually turn this into a real show as opposed to just an idea I had in my head. So yeah, thanks. Thanks very much, John. It's a good idea. There you go. Well, great yeah. idea. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to both of you. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, it dawns on me, as we talked about a little bit, we joked about uh, a week or two ago about, you know, spoiler alerts. And obviously this is kind of a podcast where people, um, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, then we're going to spoil the endings for you. So, you know, pe- yeah, quite a lot of the film will spoil. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. You know, people might ask, well, what do we do if we haven't seen the movies? Well, I think, you know, my, my hope here is kind of like with um, a lot of these podcasts where people – follow shows like episode by episode, you know, we're going to tell you at the end of each week what our, our movies for the following week will be. And I guess, you know, our hope is that maybe you'll go and watch one or two of them, you know, before the next episode. So you can sort of watch along and listen along. Yeah, prepare and know what we're going to be talking about and laugh along with us, hopefully. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Make it kind of a fun sort of, not an assignment, we don't want it to be homework for anybody, but, you know, sort of a fun way to interact with the show. And, and you know, you're watching what we're watching in that way that'll be fresh in your minds when we talk about our, our made up endings. So hopefully, Hopefully people will play along. You could imagine it were all part of Project Mayhem from Fight Club. Oh, that's right. So, so we're all space monkeys, and the, <laughs> <laughs> yep. at the end of every episode, you get your assignment. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of Fight Club, there's a future episode right there. As a exactly. Effect, yeah, so. definitely. That'll be a good one. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's all I wanted to mention before we get into our our, uh, our endings. How about you, Phil? Anything you need to cover before we jump into things? I think we're all good. All right, great. So let's talk about Spy Game then. Spy Game. Okay, so Spy Game came out in the early 2000s, directed by the late, great Tony Scott, uh, stars Robert Redford and Brad Pitt as a pair of spies uh, for the CIA. Robert Redford is kind of the old war horse who, you know, has kind of done everything and been everywhere, and Brad Pitt is his young protege. When the movie opens, Brad Pitt has uh, is in a Chinese prison. He's breaking somebody out. We don't know who yet. Um, but as it happens, he gets caught before he can escape. So word gets back 
to uh, Robert Redford's character, Nathan Muir, who is on his last day in the CIA retiring. And uh, it gets back to him that Tom Bishop, that's Brad Pitt's character, has been captured. And uh, so as Nathan is trying to figure out a way to possibly rescue Tom, he gets called into a, sort of a, a briefing with the, the high muckamucks at the CIA who are none too happy about Tom getting caught because he was not on a sanctioned mission for the CIA. So in the course of this debriefing, Nathan basically kind of recounts how they met, how he recruited Tom, uh, how he trained him, how their friendship developed, and also how it sort of splintered um, because Tom fell in love with a woman and um, Nathan basically kind of uh, traded her to the Chinese to secure uh, some assets that they needed for an important CIA mission. So we find out that Tom has gone into this Chinese prison to rescue this woman, Elizabeth, because he's in love with her and she's not just an asset to him. Um, And so Nathan basically pulls a lot of strings behind the scenes to rescue Tom, even though he's always preached, never let your feelings get in the way. That's kind of a big part of his philosophy. But we clearly realize that Tom is important to him. So he sets things in motion and uh, ultimately rescues Tom and Elizabeth from the uh, Chinese prison. He doesn't do it himself, but he manipulates things to to do so. And as the film ends, Tom and Elizabeth are being airlifted to safety. Nathan leaves the CIA just before the CIA finds out that Tom has been rescued, which could be a political uh, mishap in terms of PR and relations with China. And Nathan drives off into the hills and... Uh, fade to black there we go how'd i do phil that kind of cover it oh excellent i think you covered most almost everything thanks it's you know it's a complex film that was a very nutshell version of it lots of flashbacks uh, and right lots of characters Exactly. But it is a film that I greatly enjoy. Um, as I've mentioned before, I'm a huge Robert Redford fan. Oh, yeah. He's brilliant. And this is an excellent film. Yeah, he's terrific in it. And, and you know, I, I love anything he does. But I'm also a big Tony Scott fan. And uh, this is one of his um, one of his top films, I think. You know, it's really it was before he started to get into that really hyperkinetic style of editing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was still a little more linear at this point. And um, I, I think it's a really strong effort. It, from him, it's weird, so. though. It did seem to just go under a lot of people's radar, this film. It just I don't know that many people who've seen it to be honest it's a weird one yeah you know it was never a big hit um and i can never quite figure out why it didn't it didn't catch on especially with you know redford and brad pitt and brad pitt was pretty hot at this point yeah. but um you know well that's what we're here for hopefully we'll talk about films that people haven't seen and they can discover them and and you know enjoy them like we do yeah because what, what i did think about this film watching it again it's it's similar in style or to uh, the usual suspects, mm-hmm. yep. you know, yep. it's, all, it's all the flashbacks, and basically you find out that the flashbacks are there just so something else can be going on. It's like a distraction almost, isn't it? Right. Yes, it and is. It does, but it's uh, yeah, there's a few similarities, and I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so Phil, so take us through it. What happens in your uh, day after with uh, Bishop and Hadley? That's Catherine McCormack's character. I think they're just being taken away. They're just, just going to be recovering from what they've gone through being in prison. Right. So the two of them, there's not much going on with them the day after events. I think uh, Muir, Robert Redford's character, he's going to be trying to salvage whatever money he's he's got left because he had to use some of his own life savings to help fund the mission to get out, didn't he? To uh, was it a bribe or something? Yeah, he had to bribe the um, he had to bribe one of the Chinese officials to That's cut right, the yeah. power in the prison. And yeah, he basically so that, took up all of the money he had saved up for his Bahamas uh, yeah. retirement. Yeah, so I, th- I think he's going to be trying to figure out what to do next, where, see what money he's got and if there's going to be any comeback from what he's done. Yeah, I think that's exactly where things are heading the next day. Um, You know, I think Tom and Elizabeth get, uh, you know, airlifted to a hospital. You know, they're in bad shape, but uh, they get them patched up and on the road to recovery. Um, And uh, I think Nathan... 
You know, it's interesting. I, I can't decide if I think the CIA would really be after him or if they would just kind of be like, well, you know. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking as well. It's a tricky one because he hasn't really done – he's manipulated things and he's done things he shouldn't have done. But what what's the point of getting him now after it's all over? Right, exactly. It's kind of like, well, they already got Tom out. What are they going to do, send him back to Chinese prison? You yeah, know, probably yeah. not. So, um, But I think he – you know, he's smart enough to be careful anyway. So, um, you know, in, in, in the film, he gives away basically his – he's got $282,000 for a retirement home in the Bahamas. He gives that away as part of the bribe. So yeah, he, he's kind of out of money, but he's smarter than that. So what I think happens is he decides he needs to go get the rest of his money, which is in various safe houses around the world. Um, so he goes home, packs up real quick, you know, his go bag, as they call yeah. it, and, yeah. uh, and he hits the road to go and start collecting some of the money so that he can, you know – he can kind of disappear. Yeah, makes sense. All right, so uh, immediate aftermath. Okay, well, we've got Bishop and Hadley will be recovered, uh, but they'll be being, getting questioned by the, the military, uh, whatever, secret agents want to have a word with them. They're going to want to find out where Hadley's allegiances lay, whether she's going to be getting involved in bombings or things like that again. Eventually, the CIA are going to catch up with Nathan, wherever he is in the world. I think they'll bring him in. They'll have to face a panel. But he'll manage to come out of it smelling of roses. He, we saw in the film he's good at uh, distracting people, doing things behind the scenes. I think if there is if there is any comeback to what he's done, he's going to m- manage to wangle his way out of it again. Probably just get a, a slap, slap on the wrist and told not to bother them again. You know, stay out of any sort of these kind of dealings again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'd eventually, bec- I see him becoming something like a consultant to uh, not different go- governments, but maybe businesses and how they can operate and the various uh, dangerous areas of the world that he's got experience in. So he's sort of, uh, not a mercenary, but he's, he's, he's sort of become a mercenary for, the, uh, for businesses, trying to make more money for them out of what's going on in the world. Right. That makes sense. I, I went a little bit of a different direction. Um, Tom and Elizabeth are, you know, reunited in adjacent hospital beds and, you know, they're holding hands while bleeding. And, um, <laughs> like you know, but they uh, they but I agree they get heavily debriefed by the CIA, um, but eventually they're let go. And I think um, uh, Tom decides not to be uh, a secret agent anymore. He's devoted to Elizabeth. I think she's scarred from the experience. I don't think she was treated well in a Chinese prison and she was there for a long time. It seems yeah, like she was, wasn't she? Yeah. So I think he's going to kind of dedicate himself to um, rehabilitating her, you know, sort of. I mean, she's not like a basket case, but you know what I'm saying? She's a little more fragile than she was. um, And he's not going to go, you know, traipse off to, you know, the Middle East for six months and leave her. And he he knows what she's gone through. He's he's lived some of it. So he knows exactly, you know, that's where he can help her. Right, exactly. I think he's kind of burned out on the whole thing as well. Yeah. Um, So that's sort of, they sort of start their life together. um, And uh, I think they decide to settle down in Virginia near Langley. He's going to take like a desk job at the CIA. So he, you know, still has some income, but, you know, he's going to be able to be there for her. Uh, Meanwhile, Nathan is jet setting around the world, stopping at all of his safe houses, picking up, you know, $20,000 here and $50,000 there and staying one step ahead of the CIA, who, who isn't chasing him all that hard anyway you know yeah so um so there we go so how about uh, the long term what do you see okay long term i've got uh got tom and elizabeth i reckon they stay together for a while what they've been through it keeps them together but it's also going to be a big thing between them mm-hmm. that's eventually i think it's just gonna maybe elizabeth's not going to be as really rehabilitated as tom hoped right and they'll end up drifting apart i think there'll be no there will still be a few inquests about the events which uh, went on Every now and again, something will crop up and they get questioned, but eventually that will all just die away. Right. But I, I see them drifting apart. Uh, I've got uh, Tom saying he's uh, he did have some disciplinary action, but eventually he strikes a deal and, and walks free from the CIA. Mm-hmm. And I could see him becoming some like a, a proper mercenary, going to different areas, 
fighting in different regions or doing things behind the scenes. Right. Uh, either that, he could go a slightly different way and could become a, a detective. Oh, yeah. Maybe if, he, if you can get into, I'm not sure how it works, but if you're in the CIA and you got busted out or whatever, whether you could still go into law enforcement that way, but I, if you can. I'm sure you probably could. Yeah, yeah. I could see him becoming some kind of a like police detective and... And maybe getting involved with Morgan Freeman, some murders or something. <laughs> What's in the box? Yeah, that's What's it. What's in you know, the he's box? A, he didn't have the best life. <laughs> no, clearly not. As as for Nathan, I had him. Uh, he, he eventually makes enough money to get his retirement that he so desperately wanted. Mm-hmm. As similar with uh, what happened with Brad Pitt's character, just said then he ends up buying a yacht. Mm-hmm. Boards the art and sales around the world. That's his plan. Right. But all, all his oh, lost. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> but because, to be honest, I couldn't really see much much else with him doing with his life. He's going to do find a way of getting money whichever way, and then he's going to finally get back to retirement. Right, right. Uh, that's um, that's pretty good. I like that you tied in two separate movies. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, it's funny because uh, for those of p- people who might not know, All is Lost is a movie came out a couple of years ago with Robert Redford where he plays a man on a boat that's in a storm and it's pretty dialogue-free and he almost drowns and, you know, so. Yeah. It wasn't it's, a it's, It sounds pretty hit. boring, but it is quite, uh, it's quite intense to watch. It, it is. It's very intense. It's a yeah. good movie, actually. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's funny and it's uncanny that you mentioned Morgan Freeman because uh, once again, our, our, uh, <laughs> Our minds think alike. Um, so here's what I came up with. Um, in my version, so Tom and Elizabeth settle down around Langley, which is the CIA headquarters, and Tom becomes a trainer for the CIA. So he's basically training the next ah. you know, generation of, of super spies because he was really good at it. You know, But this way he can – it's not quite a nine-to-five job, but he's also not um, – you know, he's not out in the field and, and you know, he's not safe, risking his life. Job. Right. Um, Elizabeth eventually recovers and she takes a job uh, at a hospital, a local hospital, and uh, they get married. Um, see, this is my romantic side. You have them splitting apart, which is probably yeah, more yeah. realistic, but I'm a, I'm a sucker. I'm a romantic. <laughs> so they get married um, and they, they live a long life together, but they don't have kids because both of them agree that the world is just not sane enough to bring a new life into. I think they're a little battle-hardened, you know, from their yeah. lives at this point. So it's They've just seen the scenes they know what goes on so exactly so nathan uh though he finally finishes up uh collecting all of his money and uh you know he stays ahead of the cia but he doesn't want to go to the bahamas because he's afraid that you know he mentioned it to some people they might look for him there so he decides to go to mexico instead and he uh throws a dart at a map <laughs> and it lands on a little tiny town called Zihuataneo. oh excellent oh, i like that and uh so he retires down there and one day on the beach he meets these two friends named red and andy <laughs> and they uh they share a beer and become Become fast friends, and the three of them live out the rest of their lives sipping beer on the beach and uh, enjoying the easy life. So, a little uh, Morgan Freeman connection for you there as well. That's a good ending. Thank you. A nice ending. Yeah, it's like the uh, the Shawshank spy game. Yeah. Or the Spy Game Redemption, perhaps. The sequel. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. So that's, that's, uh, that's my endings. I like that. Yeah, thanks. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Good. We're getting very meta with these. It's, you know, it's hard, though. It's fun. It's always fun to connect it to other movies. And it's kind of sometimes these films have these perfect setups for tying them yeah. into something else, right? And once you've got the idea in your head, once that sparks there, you, you find it hard to forget it. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's definitely like, you know, like once I thought of that, I was like, well, I got to go there, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So anything else you want to say about Spy Game before we move on? It's really well worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Although, if you've listened this far and you've not watched it, then we spoiled it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yep, no, it's, it's a great film. Uh, Robert Redford and Brad Pitt are both fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. And the uh, covers quite a wide time scale. And the, the set dressing and everything is just 
just uh, fantastic. Yes, and, nice. and Brad Pitt actually rocks a mullet at one point and makes it work. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he can make anything work. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> damn him. Exactly. <laughs> all right, great. So, well, let's move on then. So, um, all right, so The the Big Lebowski, this is a film that uh, we are a little divided on. Um, uh, it's a brilliant film. Sure. All right, I guess there's no there's no point in uh, yeah. there's no point in trying to have people decide if they can figure out who likes it and who doesn't because uh, it's probably pretty obvious at this point. Yeah, I hate it. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if only that were true. Yeah. All right, so Big Lebowski is a brilliant film. Okay, go ahead. No, go on. You, okay. Let's. <laughs> No. Do you want to, it, you want to it, debate before or after we do the end? No, you, you, you introduce it how you, you feel it should be introduced. You know, it's, here's the thing about Big Lebowski. I, it's not that I hate the film. I, I don't hate it. Yeah. I, I, I think when I reviewed it originally, I gave it a C-, you know, which isn't a great review, but it's not like I gave yeah, it an it's, F. It's, it's not, not a dreadful review. Right. It's not the worst film I've ever seen. But there's two things that really get me going about The Big Lebowski. One of them is uh, John Goodman's character, Walter Sobchak. Um, I love John Goodman. He's a great actor. Yeah. I hate that character so much. He... I, I think that was the first time I ever watched a movie where I literally wanted to reach into the screen and <laughs> strangle the life out of a character because I hated him so much. I think that's part of the charm of Walter, though, that you are meant to hate him. <laughs> it's part of something, for sure, but charm is not the word that I would use. Um, I, just, I, I literally just I hate that character so much. Um, and so that's a big part of why I don't, I don't like the film. And then the other thing is for a film that I consider to be pretty mediocre – the love that it gets and the Lebowski fest and, you know, the oh. dude abides and the memes and the everything about it. It's just like, really? It's not that good. Yeah. I can see that. If you, if you don't like a film and it's getting all this love, it can be a bit frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I just, I don't feel like it's worth that much devotion from fans. So that's me. I know a lot of people listening are clearly going to disagree with me. You can send us your hate mail. I will, I will accept it. I'll, I'll tell you the address later. I mean, you can't help being wrong, but you know that's the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, there'll be there'll be films I I'll hate that. Well, I won't like as much as you. It's and it's the right. way of the world. If we all loved and hated the same films, it'd be a pretty boring place. Exactly. Exactly. It's still, so. You're still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I can accept that. All right, take us through it. Phil. Okay. Well, we've got the big Lebowski. Uh, due to a case of mistaken identity, Jeff, the dude Lebowski, uh, Jeff Bridges, is assaulted. His rug is taken. And it really tied the room together. <laughs> uh, the dude approaches the big Lebowski, who's uh, the guy that the people who wrecked his flat wanted to see. Uh, he approaches him for compensation and ends up stealing a rug. However, the big Lebowski then gets in touch with the dude because he wants him to find the big Lebowski's trophy wife, Bunny, who's apparently been kidnapped. Uh, through various shenanigans involving his friends, Walter and Donnie, some German nihilists, a porn producer... Lots of white Russians and a few uh, punches in the face and a couple of car crashes. He finds out that it was all a ruse. Bunny wasn't really kidnapped. She was just, uh, she sort of faked the kidnapping to try and get some money. But also the big Lebowski took the money from his fa own foundation and was going to keep it for himself. Uh, during the course of events, the dude meets Maud, Julianne Moore, who's an artist and the daughter of the big Lebowski. And she seduces him in the hopes of conceiving a child but tells the dude not to worry, he won't be needed to raise the child. We end up with the death of Steve Buscemi's Donnie and the dude and Walter throw his ashes into the sea in a very touching moment. Uh, they then head off and go back to bowling. That's a pretty uh, impressive way to, to, to concisely recap that film. I have to say, when we talked about doing this film, I said to myself, I said, well, we can do this film, but Phil's going to have to do the recap yeah. because yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to get that. Well, I did, uh, I did write one, but it was 
a lot longer because it was went in all the ins and outs and was explaining the various relations and then I just thought no way this is going to be so true. Right people you, you, like if you haven't seen this film you have to watch it to really understand it yeah. and even then you might not understand it because it doesn't yeah. really Well it's like it's like lots places. of the Coen Brothers films it's lots of things go on but not much really happens even though strange things have gone on it's 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 clever how they do it. Yeah it's I'm not a giant Coen Brothers fan. I don't dislike them, but I'm not. I, I've most of their movies I've seen once, and that's enough for me. Yeah. I just, you know, um, their their style of filmmaking and my film sensibilities are not a great fit. Um, so, but but you know, it, yeah, I can't I can't see that though because there are some Coen Brothers films that I, I really don't like, like uh, the remake of The Lady Killers, the one with Tom Hanks. Because I just wanted to leave the cinema. I, st- I stuck through <laughs> it, but I just. Just didn't work for me. Now, ironically, that's one of their films that I that I do like. So clearly, <laughs> clearly, our Coen Brothers Venn diagrams do not have a lot of intersect. Yeah, not hardly any. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there we have it. That's the Big Lebowski. So, Mike, what did you think happens the day after? So the day after. Okay. Well, as we recall, the the, the film ends with uh, Sam Shepard, the narrator at the bowling alley, saying that you know um, Maud is pregnant with a little Lebowski, yeah. and that he hopes that that Walter and uh, the dude will win the bowling tournament. Right. Yeah. All right. Well. The dude and and Walter win the bowling tournament. They're spurred on by kind of a let's do it for Donnie. And they win the bowling tournament and they get all excited and they go celebrate in the bar and they get hammered. And as they're walking out of the bar, Walter gets hit by a bus and gets killed. Oh. Yes. Which turns out actually to be the saving grace of the entire planet because it turns out that if he had lived, he was going to reproduce and his son would have been the stupidest human on the planet (laughs) and he would have actually brought about the destruction of Earth by accident. Uh, So by this bus hitting Walter, uh, he saved the planet and, and my sanity. I did not see it going that way at all. No, that's because I, yeah. uh, I couldn't face a future that had Walter Subcheck in oh, well, it, so I had to get rid of him right he's away. He's definitely gone there. Yes. Okay, well, I had... Uh, <laughs> I like that. Okay. <laughs> well, I had, for the day after, the dude abides. Of course. Whatever happens, the dude abides. He smokes some pot, drinks some white Russians, gets ready for the bowling. Mm-hmm. The dude and Walter, they try their best. They want to win the match for Donnie, but the heart's not in it. Without Donnie, what's the point? Uh, they end up losing the tournament. It's uh, John Chitoro's Jesus who wins the tournament, much to the dismay of uh, Walter and the dude. Mm-hmm. That's the way these things roll. Yeah, the loss of Danny affected them both, and uh, Walter most of all, and it's, it's hit him a lot harder than he thought he would. And he goes on a bit of a bender after losing the match and losing Donny. So it's, it's, it's not the best. It's a bit of a downer for them, both of them. But Walter's still alive in mine. Uh, well... Uh, you know, maybe I'll get lucky and in, in the next one he'll die. Well, you have to wait. <laughs> All right. Okay, so what do you have, Mike, for the immediate aftermath? All right, so um, so the dude is pretty bummed because, you know, Walter and Donnie are both dead now. Um, so he gets drunk uh, and, and stoned, and that's pretty much how he mourns their death uh, and pretty much just keeps doing that for a while because that's mostly what he does. Then we shift focus because I found the only somewhat interesting character in the film is uh, Maud. Okay, so yeah, meanwhile, yeah. Maud is pregnant with a little Lebowski, um, and so while she's going about doing her thing, she falls in love with an investment banker named Jeffrey Stevenson, and um, so... So nine months later, she gives birth and uh, she becomes Mrs. Jeffrey Stevenson, gives birth to a little Jeff Jr. or JJ, as they call him. Lovely. And she begins to uh, distance herself from the entire Lebowski clan, both real and fake. She's starting to have a bit of an epiphany. Yeah, who, who can blame her? Yeah, who can blame her? Exactly. Yeah. But what about you, Phil? What's your immediate aftermath? Uh, I've got it where Walter goes to this bad patch, gets arrested. He really is in a bad place, but he sorts himself out, and it's the, it's the, the kick up the arse he needed. He cuts all ties with his ex-wife and begins to find peace. He's starting to lose the anger he had. Uh, as for the dude, he still abides. He's just drinking, smoking pots, going through life, just doing what the dude does. 
Uh, I, I don't really see the dude changing much through the rest of his life, to be honest. No, I wouldn't think so. As, as for Maud, I'd say she's pregnant. She's just going through the pregnancy and she's still got some of her weird arty friends hanging around. But she's uh, her plan for life is proceeding as she, as she sees fit. Mm-hmm. So... So not much going on, but uh, Walter's beginning to redeem himself. Oh, well, yeah. I didn't think such a thing was possible. But. No, it's, yeah, that's what you need sometimes. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, so uh, what do you see happening, Mike, with the long term of these characters? All right, well, you're going to see sort of a you know a little bit of a theme here. Uh, the dude eventually drinks himself into a coma. Okay. And he ends up in the hospital and basically remains in a coma for the rest of his natural life. Oh. See how I like to write out the characters I don't like? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> They're all dead. I'm pissing off Big Lebowski fans left and right right now, I'm sure. Uh, but if we have no listeners after this episode, Phil, you can blame me. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so they're all dead, apart from yeah, Maud and a kid. Right, yeah. pretty much, yeah. Um, so meanwhile, Maud has found true love with Jeffrey and true happiness with her little boy. And uh, she uh, completely disowns the Lebowskis and basically forgets that part of her life completely. Uh, her husband's well off enough for her to be a stay-at-home mom. She does some artwork, but she's pretty much, a, you know, becomes a, just a normal mom. Uh, and once Jeffrey Jr. starts school, she actually begins to work in charity and becomes a great philanthropist. And basically, she and her husband live happily ever after, uh, while the dude, Walter, Donnie, and Jesus all become distant, forgotten memories, which is how I prefer them. <laughs> the end. The end, exactly. <laughs> it's quite final, but it's it's an end. Yeah, you know. That, listen, here's the beautiful thing about it. My ending, I can kill off as many characters as I want. Exactly. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> exactly. So what do you got? What do you got for your long term? My long term. It's probably more upbeat than mine. It's Yeah, I think it is. Uh, the dude just keeps on chucking through life. Maud gives birth to a son, also called Jeff Jr. Mm. And she, she never really, she doesn't marry or have anybody special in her life. She just has lots of uh, friends, acquaintances, and lives a good life, though. As you say, she you mentioned philanthropy. Mm-hmm. She does. I meant, I was thinking the same kind of thing. She does lots of things for the uh, for the city, and uh, she just helps a lot of people. Right. Eventually, I see some few years down the line, his son Jeff Jr. tracks down the dude. Mm-hmm. And he's got no ill will towards him because Maud's been totally honest with him because she, she came across as she's always going to speak her mind, tell people exactly what she thinks and what she's done. Right. Uh, he spends time with the dude. They grow close. They just hang out together, go bowling a lot. And it's just it's just nice for the pair of them. They don't do anything special. They just hang out. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, the dude likes it. It's all fits. It fits in with his lifestyle. And his son likes it because he just, he just likes chilling out with his dad. Uh, but also Walter, he's been hang- spending more time with the dude and listening to what he's saying, and he starts to see the way the dude moves through life. And Walter tries to take up how the dude lives his life. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't get it. Or nobody can be the dude. Right. But he, he he gets close and he finds a a piece that he never thought he'd have. And as time's moving on, technology's moving on. Walter gets interested. He always liked a bit of technology. He gets in- interested on the internet, mm-hmm. and he starts writing about the dude and the way the dude lives, and that starts spreading through the internet, the early days, where people start picking it up. And like, as happened in the real world, where we had people having this dudism, mm-hmm. they call it a religion, but just, you know, living the way they do. That's in this, in the Big Lebowski world, that spreads out and people just find a way of following the dude and abiding. And it's, uh, the world starts to begin, starts to become a happier place all because of the dude and Walter. Wow. So there you go. Oh, that you was a, far reaching there. I like yeah, that. Yeah, well, a couple of friends I was talking with tonight, we, uh, we went over it a little bit and we sort of, yeah, I thought that was a good way to go. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. So, I mean, listen, I, I, I'd i much rather Walter, you know, not be around, but listen. Yeah, least, he's not the same Walter you knew. Right, exactly. <laughs> so at least you made him do something good for humanity. Yeah, and I've got a, and then so the dude eventually passes away at the age of 104. Oh, right. He's lived a, a happy life. He's loved every minute of it, even even the sad parts. There you go. And the last person standing at the side of his grave when the service is over is a cowboy 
who just nods his hat and walks away off into the distance. There you go. I like there it. You See, go. you had your like film ending, like I like I did last week. Oh yeah, yeah like the fade go, yeah. to black moment. You kind of had that tonight. I like that. Yeah, cowboy walking off into the sunset. Right, right. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting because in your version, Walter Sobchak uh, saves the world. Yes. By living, and in my version, he saves the world by dying. Isn't that crazy? Interesting. And that's all totally unplanned. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> Who would have thought we go to those extremes? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Interesting stuff. Well, funnily, funnily enough, my mom and dad watched this The Big Lebowski for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, they like it. Uh, they, they both absolutely loved it. Really? They, yeah. My mom for the first ten minutes, she wasn't sure, but then she just got into it and they loved it and they found it hilarious and that it just fascinates me. So that's two more. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Listen, I, uh, here's the thing. I fully uh, acknowledge that I am I am completely outnumbered. I know yep. that people love this movie. I'm glad people love this movie. Look, you know, the thing is this. There's a lot of movies I don't like. I never want people to hate on movies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I yeah. I love film. I always want people to find movies that they love. Any Anything that gets people interested in film is a good thing, even exactly, if it's The yeah. Big Lebowski. It just makes me cringe every time I see the dude abides or something like that popping up online because I just <laughs> I just want to oh. scream it's not that good of a movie I'm, I must apologize then for all the ones on your Facebook feed from me so. <laughs> it's quite alright quite alright that's okay listen I love Jeff Bridges you know he's a great yeah. actor um, but it's just it's just not my kind of film so yeah. what are you going to do well well, funnily enough though I was the uh, John Turturro, he's, uh, he's always said he'd love to do a sequel with his character Jesus. But right. there was, uh, I think the Coen brothers were talking to Empire Magazine the other day, mm-hmm. and they just don't seem interested in it at all. So They're really I not much of a sequel kind of, you know. Yeah, movie. I mean, yeah, it's, it, I couldn't really make a film out of what we've been discussing. But yeah, but I think Jesus, Totoro definitely wants to do it, but the Coens right. just want to move on. Although they were also talking about they maybe want to do a sequel to Barton Fink. Really? Which would be... Could go either way, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I think that's smart of the Coens, though, because love it or hate it, The Big Lebowski is an iconic film. And I think yeah. we've learned in the past, you know, decade or so that when you come back and make a sequel, with Star Wars being the exception, um, because yeah. Force Awakens is amazing, but, you know, you look at things where they're, they're kind of making sequels to movies that, you know, ended, you know, years and years ago. Or look, look at The X Files, for example. Exactly. You know, yeah. um, you know it's, it's 15 years later, and, and, I'm, people have different opinions of it, but I don't think anybody thinks it was, you know, what they really hoped it would be. Yeah, it didn't hit, didn't hit all the marks. It almost got there on a couple of occasions. Right, right. But well, I in think, the episodes I've seen so far. Anyway. Right, you know. So it, it, but it sort of just proves that, you know, uh, you know, you can look at things like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you know, oh, stuff another, like that, that. Another good example, yeah. It, you know, it's uh, when you make a what you know a lot of people consider a perfect movie, like The Big Lebowski, to try and come back to it at this point, you're really just gonna. Kind of mess it up a little. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but more often people seem to think that's the best way to go, don't they? Yeah, well, it's all about, you know, it's all about money now in Hollywood. So they all want franchises that are familiar and, you know, guarantee box office. Well, yeah, I was reading about even on with uh, TV shows, like with Netflix, have got the Fuller House. Yep, Fuller House, yep. Sequel to Full House. I'm not really, I'm aware of it, but I've never really watched it. I don't think it was shown here. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a big uh, show here in the U.S. for... Um, a lot for kids and for, for like teenagers. It was a family thing. It was on like yeah. ABC's Family Night. They sort of had all these kind of PG-rated shows that were very wholesome and very Yeah, like the Wonder cheesy. Years kind of thing. Yeah, you're right, right, exactly. Yeah. But Wonder Years was a much more um, much more deep show than, yeah. you know, Full House True. was very much a traditional sitcom. But um, I watched it here and there, you know, like most people did, but I was never one of those people who was uh, a diehard, you know, fanatic about it. So. But, I've, but reading some of the reviews on Fuller House, it just seems to have been a bit of a mistake. Yeah. Well, I've not watched any of them, so... It's just I'm just going on what other people have said, but it does it does seem to be that happening more and more often with the when they re- revisit older older films or TV shows. 
it's it's not many of them which can actually make the leap to the present day. Right. It's hard to recapture the magic. You know, when you yeah. have something that is magical that it really strikes a chord with people, trying to do that again yeah. is just – it's not easy, you know, especially yeah. when a lot of time has passed. You know, I mean you can look at movie trilogies and you think, well, these are all made in the span of two or three years. So they're sort of still in that same groove, you know. Yeah, but, you, get, you get some kind of continuity, don't you, with like the actors being not that – Difference in age and right. things like that. The crew is largely the same. You know, there's a lot of that type of stuff. But when you're 10, 15 years removed, uh, you know, it's just it's not the same. You know, it's just yeah. it, it's not. You know, we talked about Tron last week, and there was a similar case. You know, and uh, you know, uh, someday we'll do a whole episode about Tron Legacy because I have a lot yeah. of opinions about that. But the point is, you know, it's it's a tough thing to do. So you know, I suppose the only thing you could really do if you want to really have a go at it, it's like try and totally change the concept well, or just rejig it like they did with Battlestar Galactica because that came, the, the new series of that came so long after the original. Right. And they, they totally changed the whole feel of it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And that was more that was, of a that reboot. Was a success. Yeah, yeah. Big reboots go the go that way. Yeah, I, I think in, in most cases that is the way to go. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe not all the time. Sometimes I think that's a bad idea, like the Evil Dead. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't mind that Evil Dead reboot. No, really? It was good and scary and not gory. I know it's not going to be this, they're never going to recapture that magic, but I thought it was a different take on it. Yeah. Well, a, di- a different similar take. Yeah, it was, um, all I remember is blood. I mean, really, that's all I remember from the film. It's just blood, 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 blood. Everything's red. The end. But the <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> well, one of the, apart from the blood, though, I, I, one of the things that got me was the sound. Yeah. Of the film, it's, it was all all the different creepy sounds of, of flies buzzing around. It was really good using the uh, the surround sound, and I right. I really found that added added to the whole the whole affair of watching it. Yeah, well, there you go. See, so sometimes it's a good idea, I guess. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, so anything else you want to say about Big Lebowski before we move on, Phil? Uh, if you haven't seen it, go and see it as soon as you can and spread or don't spread. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying yeah. it might not live up yeah. to the hype if you it's, haven't seen it's it. It's entirely yet. up to you. Either go Mike or go no team Mike or team. That's right. Phil. We gotta get T-shirts made. Team yeah. Mike and Team Phil. There we go. All right. I'll wear a Team <laughs> Phil shirt. I won't lie. I'm a, I'm one of your biggest fans. So you know. <laughs> I'll wear Team Mike. There you go. All there right. We go. We're we're a good match. Yeah. Uh, all right. So um so moving on then, Phil. What's going on in the world of movies? Anything exciting you want to talk about? Uh, well, the big thing over the past few days was the first trailer for the new Ghostbusters film. Yes. This is the one with Paul Feig, and the new version has the team of Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Leslie Jones, and Kate McKinnon. And there's been, even before we had any footage, but just when it was all announced, there's been lots of, been quite a bit of hate, to be honest, on the internet about this film, because it's lots of people saying, there's no way it can work, can't have a female team, blah, 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 blah. To be honest, I've got no problem with who they cast, whether the team's male or female, just as long as it's a good film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been I've been keeping optimistic, but to be honest, the trailer didn't really didn't excite me. Didn't hate it, but it just seemed a bit meh. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Actually, uh, this is a tricky subject for me. Actually, I um, you know I am a Ghostbusters fan, obviously, yeah, and um, I have not been excited about this film from the start. But the reason for that has nothing to do with the fact that it's a female team. I actually think that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, the problem I have with it is two things. First of all. Paul Feig is one of the reasons, the problems I have with it. I'm not a fan of his in any way, shape, or form. Um, and secondly, Melissa McCarthy, who I'm also not really a fan of. Um, and so here's the thing. I, I don't really like Paul Feig's movies. Um, I, I think Bridesmaids is horribly overrated, and I know everyone loves it. But Yeah, I, I, know, I know what you mean about that. It's, uh, I thought it was a, a funny film, uh, but I didn't yeah. think it was this great classic no. comedy. It was, just, it was an enjoyable. I enjoyed watching it. And yeah. then didn't really think much more about it. Right. Um, I didn't care for the heat that he did with Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. Um, and then he did, did uh, 
Didn't he do Spy also? That was him too with think, Melissa McCarthy? I think that was him, yeah. Yeah, and it was pretty much the same movie as all the other ones. Yeah, um, that, it's like he can't make a movie without Melissa McCarthy and the problem with that is that Melissa McCarthy just does the same thing over and over and over again. Um, you know, She's kind of like the Rodney Dangerfield of movies these days. <laughs> like she just – she plays the same character. She plays the, the, you know, the sort of goofy larger than life. I'm loud but I'm sensitive but mostly I'm loud yeah. and uh, I'm real clumsy but I'm going to you know, luck into things going my way a little bit and – you know, I, every movie I've seen with her in it, Identity yeah, the, Thief, Tammy, it, they're all the same movie, and I just don't find them funny. She does seem to be stuck in a like stereotype kind of characters, the uh, that, as you described it there. But it's a bit of a shame because I saw her in a film with Ryan Reynolds. I think it's called The Nine mm-hmm. or The Nines, yep, right? Uh, and she was in that. She's not a big part in it, but she she was really good in it because they had to play slightly different characters every few times because things were changing and right. what have you. But uh, she, I think she's a really good actress, but she just got sort of stuck in this rut of being in these uh, comedy films yep. where she's making a ton of money. <laughs> right. It'd be nice to see her do something a bit different now, I think. Right, exactly. Yeah. I like her too, actually. As I, I Actually, I, I do think she's a good actress. She was on a show, a uh, sitcom here for a couple of seasons with Christina Applegate called Samantha Who?, um, oh, I've, I've heard of that. I've yeah, never seen and that. she actually yeah. plays like Samantha's like timid, shy, sheepish friend, and she was very funny in that. Oh, well, that'd be good because that's quite different to the big, brash, loud characters she plays in lots of the films. Exactly, but that's you know that's all she does now is she's the female Rodney Dangerfield, and it it just gets tiresome, and I I just you know I don't care for. It. And then you know like I said, Paul Feig, his movies are all the same formula. Yeah, I don't generally care for his sense of humor, so I, I see this Ghostbusters movie. I'm not that excited about it. And then, like yeah. you said, the trailer drops, and I was frankly pretty underwhelmed by it. So yeah, and the, the trouble is, I mean, it's only was was it a two minute trailer? It's uh, that's the only footage we've seen, right? And I think one of the main problems is the way it was cut, to be honest, mm-hmm. and what they did show from the film. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, the fact it starts off with it's because this is meant to be a big reboot with no reference to the previous films, <laughs> right? And then the first Apart- thing the trailer says, thirty years ago there was the team now meet the new one right and it's i'm just thinking well how's that work yeah yeah exactly you're sort of confused you're muddy in the waters again right because I, I, I know lots of the original cast are going to be in the new film mm-hmm. various cameos but it just they don't seem to know which way they're going with it yeah yeah it's yeah. like they got the idea oh we're gonna make ghostbusters we're gonna put these four women in it because they're funny and they're popular you know um and you know yeah, we'll, we'll just see what story happens right, ex- but then that's yeah. the way i feel like he makes all of his movies to be honest with you i mean that's that's my opinion of paul feig as a filmmaker you know i don't think he's a, a good filmmaker i think he just casts people that you know are funny or people think are yeah. funny and, and yeah. then just lets the camera rolls you know Let's the camera yeah. roll, I should say. But <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just waiting for him to make a remake of Nine to Five with Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig and somebody else. I'm not sure who yet. Like like maybe like Amy Adams or yeah, something you, like that. You heard it here first, people. If that does happen, this is where this is where it came from. That, I'm telling you, it's bound to happen. A remake of Nine to Five with with Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig. Oh, Tina Fey. That'll be the third one. Tina Fey. That'll be. Good and somehow one, they'll work Amy Poehler in as well. Well, there you go. So that's uh, Mike Spring. So any rights are owned by Mike Spring. That's right. That's my film prediction. I'm going to get. I want to. I want to cut. (laughs) (laughs) But there have been a couple of re-edits though of the trailer, which people have made, and they're a lot shorter. They work more like a teaser trailer. And after seeing them, I these re-edits made me a bit more excited, which was a bit strange. But uh, and it made me wonder why they didn't go with the teaser trailer for the new Ghostbusters. It just seems. It seems a bit odd to go straight this early into a big trailer. Well, yeah, especially because it doesn't seem like they have enough to share. Yeah. Like, it seems like it was a teaser trailer that they sort of tried to make into a full trailer, but they didn't have enough to make a full trailer, but they didn't style it like a teaser trailer. So it's, you know... Yeah, because some of the effects of the ghosts seem a bit... 
it's you can tell it's still early because the the CGI doesn't seem that polished. But I know it's, right. these situations often happen. The tra- trailer comes out and then you see a trailer again in a few months and some of the same scene and the, the CGI is noticeably better. Right. Because I know they're constantly working on it. But yeah, it's just I wanted to be excited, but I just can't get excited about it, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, I'll go yeah. see it and I'll, I'll yeah, I'm keep an open see mind it. about it. But I, um, you know, I mean. Yeah. I hope I'm proven wrong. Although I think Kate McKinnon's uh, character, she's the one with the goggles, the blonde, mm-hmm. the blonde mm-hmm. one. She's a, uh, she. I think she's going to be fantastic in it because even the trailer, she was the one thing which sort of drew your eye. She just, it looks like a good character. Right, right. I agree. It, it reminds me of Egon Hairlock from uh, the real Ghostbusters cartoon. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I love that cartoon. Uh, I'm actually excited about Chris Hemsworth playing uh, the secretary. I think that has oh, some good about that. Yeah, comedic yeah. potential because I think he can be very funny. Uh, when he wants to be like he was in Vacation, yeah, um, yeah. which was the funniest movie of last year, in my opinion. So, uh, but that's another topic. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, I'll have, to, I'll have to watch it again. All right, all right. <laughs> I love. I watched it twice in the same day. That's how much I loved it. Oh, okay. Believe it or not. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I okay. I'll watch it again. I was... Maybe it's an American thing. I don't know. Could be. Now I'll, I'll watch it again and get back to you. All right. We'll we'll we'll, we'll discuss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I have some movie news that I found pretty exciting that I'd like to share. Go on. Uh, so one of my favorite, probably my favorite young actor today is Ty Sheridan. He was in Mud with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Uh, which is a, an excellent, excellent film that I really think is, is amazing. It is. It's a very, very good film. Everybody's yeah. brilliant in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was also in Joe with Nicolas oh, Cage. I love that film. That's, yep. that, that's one of Nicolas Cage's root. Re- Really good films from the past few years. It's one of the only good films he's made in yeah, the past few years, for sure. I don't think I don't think he did that one just for the paycheck. No, no, he actually yeah. like remembered he could act in yeah. that film, and yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he was also in uh, the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Um, have you seen that yet? I've not seen that one yet. No, it's to be fantastic. Honest, is it good? Because I haven't it's, really fancied it. But. It's so much better than you expect it to be. It's not like Shaun of the Dead good, but man, yeah. it gives it a good run and it tries real hard, and it's it's a lot better than you than you would think. Okay, well, I'll give that a watch. So there's my recommendation. Actually. I I think what we should do is a tie. Uh, we'll do a special episode, a tie Sheridan uh, three movie episode. We could do Mud, Joe, and Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse because all three of them are non sequel films that we could do after yeah, endings for. That, that could be that'd be very good actually. Some good characters uh, involved in, in the yeah. Joe and Mud. Exactly. So, um, so that's something we'll do in the future. But anyway, so Ty Sheridan, love him, big fan. I think he's a great uh, actor. And um, they just announced that he is going to play the lead role in um, the film adaptation of Ready Player One. Oh, yes. An excellent book. And it is, it is hands down my favorite book of the last five years, probably the last decade or two. It's uh, it's a book that I've been championing, actually, since it came out. When, when it first came out, I read it and I fell in love with it. And I've I've been, you know, telling people about it in person and on social media and, you know, I've just really been – anytime I get a chance to tell somebody or someone asks for a book recommendation, the first thing I say is Ready Player One. Uh, so they're making a movie out of it, which is exciting news, uh, and they cast Ty Sheridan in it, which I am over the moon about because – Yeah, he's – I don't know if that's a movie that's going to be adapted. Well, it's St- Steven Spielberg's directing it. So. Right, which is, I mean, certainly – Yeah, lots of – you know, <laughs> yeah, I've got faith in Stephen. So. Absolutely, I do yeah. too. You know, so my my hopes are high. Um, you know, it's a film that I'm nervous about because I love the book so much. Uh, but I feel like at least I know they got a great actor in the lead role. Uh, you know, who won't who won't yeah. let us down. You know, in that respect. So that's exciting for me. He is he is very good because it's the films I've seen him and he just he nails it every time. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. does. And you know, he did Mud and Joe, which are both really serious roles. And then Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse is a much lighter film, and he pulls it off perfectly. Like he's He's like a little leading man, you know, even though he's a teenager. Yeah, because you, you watch his, his film biography and it's the films he's been in quite serious roles and then suddenly 
you got this one where he's fighting zombies. It was a bit of a turn, but it's I think it's a good good one to show he's uh, changing his range and things like that. He's also going to be Cyclops, isn't he, in uh, Brian Singer's X-Men Apocalypse? Is he really? Yeah, he's uh, going to be the young Scott Summers. I don't think I realized that. Yes. Oh, points off for me for not paying attention. Yeah. Wow, so even better, see? So there you yeah. go. So Ty Sheridan taking over the world. If you don't know who Ty Sheridan is, now you do. And remember, you heard about him here first. Yes. Oh, and for people who want, if you're not aware of Ready Player One, it's a book by Ernest Klein, and it's a very good, a good sci-fi thing, which also harkens back to the 80s. Yeah, it's like an yeah. 80s pop culture reference yeah. mecca. With a, with a bit of Willy Wonka. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Right, exactly. Yeah. Did you know that Ernest Klein um, wrote, and I don't think he, I can't remember if he directed, but he wrote uh, Fanboys, the movie Fanboys. I, uh, I don't think I knew that. No. Yeah, that's, I didn't. I just found it out recently. That's the one that was stuck in. It wasn't released. It was made, wasn't it? And then released. Right for a long yeah, time. Later, and then, yeah. yeah, and it was about the bunch of the the kids going to Lucasfilm to try and see the Phantom Menace because yeah. one of them was sick. And I think Kristen Bell is in it. And it's um, got a few people in it. Wasn't as good as I hoped, actually. But I've, I, to be honest, I've not seen it. Oh, so, okay. I told, I, to be honest, I've totally forgotten about it. So I will, Most people have, but yeah, it, will, it does have a and, small but devoted fan following. Yeah, I'll try and uh, get hold of that. Yeah, I, mean, I have to rewatch it now that I know that it's that it's Ernest Klein. I'm curious to see if I'll have a better appreciation for it. Yeah, that'd be good to see. And maybe we'll even do an after the ending for it because, again, could be, no secret. Yeah. yeah, that could be another good one. Yeah, absolutely. Add it to the list. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any other news you want to share or talk about? Uh, well, just before we started recording, I, there was news that J.K. Simmons, he played J. Jonah Jameson in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films, and he also won the Oscar for Whiplash. Well-deserved Oscar. Yeah, that was last year, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Wow, it's gone quick. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be playing Commissioner Gordon in the Zack Snyder-directed Justice League movie. That's, I think he could be quite good in that role. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting choice. You know, um, you know, he's not the first person I think of when I think yeah, of him. Yeah, I, I didn't really think of him at all, to be honest, for the role. But, but uh, he's one of my favorite actors, um, and uh, you know, I, I love him. And I interviewed him once. He was a super nice guy, too, which is nice to see. Oh, you've met him. Brilliant. Because uh, he, you know, he plays a lot of mean characters, but he's actually a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, he, he's not who I would initially think of, but he's such a great actor that I can't help but think he's going to be terrific in the role. Yeah, and I'm, I know lots of people would be wanting uh, Brian Cranston to play him. Oh, that would be a good choice too. And I could see that working well, but I think J.K. Simmons uh, could surprise us. He's, always, he's a solid actor, and I, I'd like to see what he's going to do with it. But what got me about the announcement was I'm sure when Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice was being first explained, what was, you know, when rumors started leaking out of the plot, I'm sure one of them said that Commissioner Gordon was dead. Ah. Obviously, if J.K. Simmons is cast in the role, that's not true. Right, I guess not. Unless that he's only going to be in flashbacks. Oh, it's possible. But who knows? It's still early days. It's, yeah. They're not going to be out for a few years. So I, I can't wait to see him in the role. It's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm very curious to see what he's going to do with it for sure. I think, yeah. uh, you know, if, if anything, he's an interesting actor. He makes interesting choices. So it'll, uh, yeah. it'll be He's always to good see. to watch. Yeah. Batman versus Superman, huh? Yep. Well, what do you think? Uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting more excited. I'm starting to see more more things that I like than things I don't like. Right. Yeah, and I've been reading a bit about, uh, Zack Snyder was talking about how they're going to be portraying Batman in terms of the fight towards Superman, and that, that, that sounded interesting. It sounded a lot like the comic books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's all about, well, especially with the Dark Knight, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight, where you see in the comic book before his battle with Superman, he spends time pacing the battlefield, as it were. He sees, you know, best places to attack, weaknesses, where he can hide traps, things like that. And it yeah. sounds like Zack Snyder's going that same route with the character, right. which is which should look really good on, on screen. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, and it's something we've not really seen with Batman on the on the big screen. Right. 
Right. It's always, you know, getting the Batmobile drive off, big flashy things going on. Right. And he's, that's the end of it. But yeah. I think we're going to see a bit more of the analytical detective mind mm-hmm. of the Batman, which is going to be, which is what I personally want to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what are you looking forward to in the, in the film? Uh, well... Mostly it not sucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. That's what everybody's a bit worried about. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I loved the first half of Man of Steel. Yeah. And I hated the second half of Man of Steel. It's two completely different movies as far as I'm concerned. And so and you know, I don't I don't dislike Zack Snyder. I actually like Zack Snyder. He's made some really good films. And Yeah, I mean, um, I mean even the uh even Sucker Punch. Yeah. Uh, the, the the plot was I could see exactly I knew what the plot was doing and where he was going with it, but it just seemed a bit it didn't quite work. It didn't gel together. But the action scenes and the way it looked yeah. and the way it transitioned, I thought that was brilliant. Right, right. I agree. I think it, you know, Sucker Punch has some really good moments in it, and, yeah. and I love the ending of it. Yeah. Um, you know, but like I said, I, the second half of Man of Steel turned me off so much, and I was so enjoying the first half. So it was. It wasn't just like I didn't like the movie. It was like I was loving the movie, and then I hated it. And that's such a dichotomy of emotions <sighs> yeah. to go through in one film. That doesn't often happen in the film. No, it really doesn't. So it's. Um, so you know. I'm I'm torn because I, I want to like it and I want it to be a success and I want DC to be able to have success with their movies, but I yeah. I don't know that I agree with the direction they're going in. You know, I don't know if it's true or not, but a couple of years ago it came out that there was some memo floating around DC that they had a kind of a standing rule, no jokes in their movies. Oh, I know, yeah. You know, that one that was that was a strange one. I hope that's not true. I hope so too, but you know, I haven't seen any evidence yet to disprove yeah. it. You know, I that's mean, the trouble. I think I think well, there's the Suicide Squad trailer. That looks like it's got a bit of humor in, but that's that could be just to do with the, the criminals being involved. But. Right, and that also, I think, could be more of like a Deadpool situation where it's more of the... Although, I mean, the Marvel movies have a lot of humor, but Deadpool's yeah. an anomaly. It's a different kind of film, and I have a feeling like Suicide Squad also, they're, maybe they're going for the humor more in that, but yeah. the main superheroes, it seems like there's not so much. It's all a bit dour, isn't it? And yeah, it's very depressing. grim and gritty and dark, and, you know, the problem is superheroes are kind of ridiculous, and I say that as somebody who's been collecting comic books my entire life. Yeah, me too. I, I'm a huge comics fan. I love superheroes, but they're kind of ridiculous on the big screen, so if you don't have that humor in there to sort of, yeah. you know, offset the kind of silliness of it a little bit you know and and it works so well in the marvel movies and you would think that dc would say hey you know what's really great (laughs) you know they they do seem to be going deliberately going the other way right and i feel like that's not that's not the way to go personally it's all going to depend on the batman versus superman isn't it i think i I think it is you know i think if this this movie is the the big hit they're hoping it is it's really going to set the tone so yeah i I really hope it is yeah i mean i do too and you know I, i like i like the people involved. I like Ben Affleck. I, I thought he was good casting from the get-go. Um, you know, I like Henry Cavill a lot. So Yeah, well, I, I really liked all of Man of Steel, and I thought he was a great Superman. Oh, good, good. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to rewatch it before, you know, Dark Knight, or, you know, before the Batman vs. Superman comes out, and, and maybe I'll have a different opinion, but... Yeah, because the Batman vs. Superman, it does reference the events at the end of Man of Steel, right, doesn't it, with the, right. the big fight in the Metropolis. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll give it another glance, but, you know... Fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh, and I'm also going to looking forward to seeing uh, Wonder Woman on the yes. big screen. That's, yes, that's interesting. Absolutely, it's about time, Frank. Yeah. Oh, damn right, because she's she's a great character. Yes, she is. She should be on the big screen. 
I agree, and I'm really glad that they got a woman to direct it because I think that's the right move. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, so, so fingers crossed for that one too. You know, I know it's a little further off, but uh, hopefully it'll. Uh, ho- I, I'd love to see that one come out and just like blow away all the other DC stuff and just be like, you know, yeah, a huge, a humongous, massive hit. That would be really rewarding to see. I think because they've they've put it off for so long, you know, because you know, because superheroes, you know, female superheroes can't sell tickets. But I would love to see it come out of the gate and just you know break box office records. I I I, I feel it all the to female superheroes. I don't know why the studios think that, but I think they'll, they'd make a fortune. Oh, I think so they'd too. A Black Widow movie would just be amazing. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I, I can't believe not, that's not on the schedule. I, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure so it's in the works somewhere. But Yeah, we're, we're getting a Captain Marvel movie first before Black Widow. Yeah, which is just, interesting. Yeah. But we'll see. But we'll hopefully, see. Batman vs. Superman, please don't suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so um, anything else we want to need to cover tonight? I think that's it. All right, great. So once again, if you would like to leave some comments on the episode, episode, uh, share how you think Spy Game or The Big Lebowski might have ended after the ending, or give us uh, some recommendations for movies that you'd like to hear after the endings for. Uh, drop us some comments on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash after the ending podcast. Phil, tell us where we can find you online. You can find me over at liveforfilms.com for all your movie news, reviews, trailers, interviews, silly things, lots of cool art and things like that. And I'm also on all the social media doodads. There you go. And Mike, where do you hang out online? Well, you can find uh, my pop culture news and views on IWantMy2Dollars.com, and you can check out my fiction uh, author page on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MikeSpringOfficial, because I'm the official Mike Spring, apparently. He's the official one. That's right. And uh, next week. Yes. So next week, Phil, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? This is a good one, I think. Yes, next week we'll be uh, kneeling down, holding a gun up in the and shouting no as we fire the gun as we be looking at Keanu Reeves in Point Break. Yes. And then we'll be looking at one of Steven Spielberg's first films, The Man vs. Truck, Duel. Yes, classic. And also one a lot of people haven't seen. So I know most of you have probably seen Point Break, but if you haven't seen Duel, uh, track it down. It was originally a TV movie, but it is available on home video. Um, it's probably on streaming. We'll have to start checking on that before we do this yeah. from now on. Yeah. But um, it's definitely worth watching. It's a really fun tense thriller so um so some good stuff for people out there to uh, to check out so that's the original point break not the new one which i've yet to see and i'm still not sure whether i want to or not but keanu reeves point break well worth watching and jewel is basically jaws but on the roads right right <laughs> there you go all right well that wraps up this episode we hope you've all enjoyed listening we thank you for your time and uh we will uh once again i'm mike spring and i'm phil edwards and we'll see you next week after the ending I'm Mike Spring, and with me it is Beb Beb Beb. What would that take? What was that, like 20 seconds? Yeah. Might be a new like record. <laughs> so I've had the idea for this podcast in my head for a long time. That's my son calling me. Hang on. Yeah, bud. No, no problem. What was that? He needed me to unroll his fruit roll-up. Or, oh, you know, yeah. It was, it was stuck to the wrapper. That's so. important stuff for kids. Yes, it is indeed. Basically, because they want to find out if Hadley's going to be doing anything bad anymore. Mm-hmm. Bad. That was crap. And they're going to want to know... Okay, so even-numbered podcasts are not our ones, apparently. Mm. Because one and three, we were pretty on the ball, and two and four so far. Yeah, it's got a a Star Trek case, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nathan will get called in, eventually get found, caught up. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think they're going to be a long time... 
Good God. What is it about Bishop and Hadley? <laughs> Maybe we should just skip them. <laughs> you know, they're reunited in the hospital in adjacent hotel or uh, – dang it. <laughs> it's like, hotel it's this couple. Yeah, right? <laughs> there was the one with uh, George Clooney and Catherine Zeta-Jones, which uh, I forgot its name. How oh, I could forget its name. <laughs> Don't bring it up if you can't no. remember its name. I know. Okay. <laughs> J. John Jameson in the Spider-Man in he played J. John ah it's gone. Commissioner Gordon yeah that's it yeah <laughs> I just couldn't think at all I was thinking J. Jonah Jameson again right. yeah he's going to be playing J. Jonah Jameson nope nope oh, no nope. I've <laughs> so next week Phil tell us um, tell us I already know tell everybody okay okay <laughs> here we go again that would be the Spielberg TV movie one we're talking yes, about, right? Yes, that's the one, yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah, because you never know. Some B-movie crap could have been. <laughs> that's right. Name. Exactly. Yeah. Fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Forget it. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. Yeah, okay, right. yeah. That'll do. Yeah, so both excellent films. Give them a watch if you can. And I've realized I've said excellent an awful lot tonight, so you'll have to try and cut some of them out. I'll see what I yeah. can do. <laughs> okay. I knew there was a word. It keeps catching me. Okay. That's all right. Yes. Okay, one more time. Yeah. Yeah, so two excellent films. Just did it two excellent films again. <laughs>